Okay, good morning, everybody. Just encourage you to draw your conversations to a close. Great to catch up with people after, after the service. Um, oh, good morning, my name's Jem. I'm one of the elders of the church here, and it's my privilege to be speaking to you today from the Gospel of Luke, part of the New Testament in the Bible, the bit that talks about Jesus, um, one of those four books that lays out who Jesus is, the life that he led, the things that he said, and the things that he did. So you may want to um, get a Bible if you haven't got one, if you want to follow what we're saying. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8, and just a couple of verses, verses 16 to 18. So we're going through the book of Luke as a church, and we've got up to this part in, in the story. So I don't know whether when you were a kid, um, like me, you used to try and hide under your bed cover at night with a torch to read. You do that? Yeah, I did. I had to go to bed. I wasn't ready to sleep. I want to read. I've got a really good book. And I would put a torch on and try and hide it so that no one could see. These days it's your phone, isn't it? It's trying to hide your phone under your bed cover. But light with a torch and light with your phone, unfortunately there is a light that emanates from it, isn't it? That's why you try and hide it under the cover. Isn't it? That's what we used to do. But actually the light would always expose what you're doing, wouldn't it? Your parents came in or someone came into your room, they would know because they could see the light. No matter how hard you tried to hide it under the duvet, how hard you tried to hide it under the blanket, how many stuff you piled on top of you, there was still light that would eke out and leak out. And so it would always draw attention to what you were doing. And light has always been a way of showing direction and where to go, hasn't it? The light of campfires that draws a lonely traveller in the desert to a place of companionship, food, security. Beacons that have been put high up on hills that were lit to communicate messages of danger and messages of good news. In a dark raging storm, a lighthouse shines its light to warn ships of danger and guide them to a safe place. Light. Light is important to us. Light is, is something that draws our attention and draws us to something and draws us in. And in the part of the Bible we're looking at today, we see Jesus using this image of light to describe what the life of someone who knows and follows Jesus should look like. That it should be something that draws others to Jesus. That's what the light is about. What I want to talk about today is that we are to be a light so that others may come to the light. The passage we're looking at, Luke chapter 8, verse 16 to 18, let me just read that. It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. And nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. What is the light that Luke is talking about here? What is this light? A lamp? So, isn't it? Practically, 
Physically, it's a lamp, and we know lamps are good. Here, I've got a lamp here. We've well, got a lamp, isn't it? It's a nice lamp. Turn it on, turn it off. It's a lovely lamp. Physically, it's a lamp. But Jesus is using this metaphorically, isn't he? He's using it to talk about something else. The light. He's talking about the light of the gospel. Last week, if you remember, we were looking at the parable of the sower and the seeds and the soils and how good seed is it's important, isn't it? That good seed is shown into good soil and then it's tended to look after. And if we remember that time, that parable was talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the word of God that is sowed. And here, Jesus is continuing that conversation. This isn't a break in the conversation. He's explaining the gospel, the parables to his followers, his disciples. He's explaining this gospel, the parable of the seeds and the sower. And then he comes and says, and now no one lights a lamp. So he's drawing attention to the light that he's talking about, the lamp that he's talking about. Something that puts on display is the gospel, the word of God that's been sown into people's lives should be on display. That's what he's talking about. It's linked to the last passage by the very words that Jesus says. He says, be careful how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. It's important that we understand what Jesus is talking about. Not just about listening to words. Not just about thinking that, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good teaching. It's actually, what does listening mean is, I'm going to hear it, I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to put it into practice. That's what it's talking about. Last week we looked at these seeds. We know that the right seeds sowed in good soil and well tended, as Matt talked about in his garden last week, produces lovely flowers. We walked past Matt's garden on the way home after his sermon last week, and you've got beautiful flowers in your garden. How much is that down to you? I was going to say, how much is that down to you is, uh, is debatable. But, um, but they did look lovely. So, you know, you've tended your garden. It's, it's lovely. and it, it was a joy to walk past. And to see it, it gave joy to us as we walked past and thought, oh, that looks lovely. And we know that's what happened, doesn't it? With good seed, sown in good soil and well-tended, it produces a beautiful garden that brings joy to other people. And likewise, as we receive the good news of Jesus, as we receive this wonderful gospel that God came in Jesus and died for us, as we remembered in communion, <coughs> this good news is to be displayed to others. As we receive this good news, we become the good news to others in the way we talk and in the way we live. So what does this light do? This light is the gospel. It comes into our lives and we receive it. And it's supposed to be on display. What's, what's it displaying for? What's the display for? The garden is lovely, isn't it? It's lovely. We can look at the flowers. Light is good because it helps us show away. But what is it supposed to do? Well, actually, it's supposed to bring glory to God. In, in Matthew's gospel, when he talks about the same instance of Jesus' teaching and words, says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. Then Jesus now says, you are the light of the world. In, the, in, the, in the Matthew's encounter, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The purpose of, of this light is to draw people to God. It's to draw people to know God and honour him and worship him. To give glory to God. This light that God gives us, the gospel, the good news that we receive, we're supposed to listen, act on it, put it into practice, 
show it and demonstrate it to others, so that others may come and know God. So that others may come and know Jesus and give glory to God for his saving act on the cross. And how can people give glory, come and give glory to God if they don't hear about it? How can people come and give glory to God for someone they don't know? They can't give glory to someone and worship someone that they don't know. So how do they do it? By hearing and seeing the result of knowing God in us. We are the light of the world, Jesus now says. The gospel has come into your life. And for those who know and love Jesus, we receive this good news. It bears fruit in our lives, and this fruit is to be demonstrated. This, this fruit is, if you like, is light that is supposed to shine out. It can't remain hidden. We have a phrase in Western culture, don't we? It says, the end justifies the means. Have you heard that phrase? You know that saying? The ends justify the means. And often we use this, don't we, as an excuse to cover over behavior and attitudes that can be hurtful. As long as we get the right result, the result we want, it doesn't matter what we do or how we treat people to get there. But Martin Luther King Jr. said this, he was talking about nonviolence, but I think it also applies to the good news of, of, and the gospel. Ends are not cut off from means because the means represent the ideal in the making and the end in process. And ultimately, you can't reach good ends through separate means because the means represent the seed and the end represents the tree. Means and ends must cohere because the end is pre-existent in the means. What that means is you can't say this is what we want to show and demonstrate. This is what we hold up as being good and then live a life that looks completely different. Do things that don't match up to what your ends are. The way we act, the way we behave, the way we demonstrate who God is in our lives will reflect on who God is and will demonstrate what God is to other people. I mean, it's important we know and act in accordance with the gospel. The ends that we're saying are that people will give glory to God. We'll come and give glory to God. That's what we want. The means, if you like, are by how we show who Jesus is and how we show that the gospel has impacted our lives and can impact the lives of others. Jesus, in this passage, he contrasts, that he makes a contrast between those that don't hear and understand and put it into practice and those that do hear and understand and put it into practice. He warns those who don't understand and misinterpret who God is like, that they will lose what little they have, it says. Whoever has been given more, he says, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. This is a reference, I think, to, to the Pharisees and religious leaders. Jesus is drawing his attention for his disciples to these religious leaders at the time who had been entrusted with overseeing God's kingdom. They'd been, they'd been entrusted with God's word in the Old Testament. It was to show and reveal and bring people to God. Even the nations around them, that's what was always the intention. God's people, God's religious leaders should demonstrate who God is in their lives so that others would come to know. 
But what had happened was they thought they knew, <coughs> but actually what they did was they used it to burden people with guilt and shame. He says it puts, put pressure on them. Rather than bring them freedom and joy and life, it just brought burdens and more burdens. You have to do this. You have to do that. You can't do this. You must do that to know God. They, they brought all these things. They burdened people with guilt and they burdened people with shame when they couldn't match up to the things that they were expected to do. And they tried to bring glory to themselves by being self-righteous, saying, I can do these things. Surely if I can do it, then you must be able to as well. Look how great I am. Look how often I pray. Look how often I fast. Look how much I give. They would draw glory to themselves and not to God. Jesus was contrasting this. Jesus was giving the disciples a warning and saying, look what happens. People have been entrusted with this word, but they've misused it. They've misapplied it. They haven't heard well. They've not put it into practice. And so what's going to happen is they think they go in the kingdom of God, but actually it's going to be taken from them. It's going to be given to those who come in humility and accept who God is and who Jesus is. The gospel that's coming into the world, the good news of Jesus. If you receive that, if you take that and you live it out and put it into practice, you're going to see amazing things happen. Those who do hear and understand and put it into practice and honour God and glorify God will see the fruit of the kingdom of heaven grow, <coughs> excuse me, in our lives. See it grow in the lives of others. What it's talking about when it talks about even what they think, whoever has will be given more. Whoever's got the gospel, they'll receive so much more. Later in Luke, Jesus uses this image of light again to describe what's going on. He says in Luke chapter 11, verse 33 to 36, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in the cellar or under a basket or on a stand. Same principle. That those who enter may see the light. And then he goes on to say something else. He goes, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its ray gives you light. Pharisees and the religious leaders, they think they've got the light, but they use it in a, mis in a different way. They use it in a way that's not right. They use it in a way to bring shame. I think it's like the difference between this torch and this lamp. I've got a torch here. You've got a torch, you know what a torch does. I might probably not shine it too much on people. It's not very bright. Let me come and shine it in your eyes. Turn the lights. It's not going to hurt people. But I've got a very extendable torch. <laughs> this is really cool, isn't it? But, and it's, but actually, it's very flexible, and I can use it to, no. Um, but what happens with the torch? If I shine that right in your eyes, Phil, if I pinpoint you out, say, there's Phil, look, there's Phil. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm pointing my attention to Phil, aren't I? <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's, difference between a torch is still light but what does it do it pinpoints things doesn't it it highlights things and this one is really good 
I can really get into things and show you exactly. That's really, it's really helpful for finding things under the sofa, actually, I have to say. Um, <laughs> but so, so there's this torch, and that's a light, still light, but it's, it, it's used in a different way. And what happens with the light is it can blind you, can't it, if you're not careful? If you get a light sh- shone in your face, everyone else can see you, you're exposed, aren't you? And I think the Pharisees used to do that, religious leaders used to do that. They would pinpoint the sin and the shame in people's lives, hold it up. Say, look at this person, aren't they bad? And then what happens is that light blinds them like a torch. They can't, they stumble around because there's no way of of having any hope. They've just been exposed. There's nothing to offer them, offer to see and and to help them. Whereas this, this is a lamp put on on, on a stand. What does it does? It draws people to you, doesn't it? Draws people to it. It gives light. If you came in and this was pitch black at night, and you came in here, and this was on, you think, ah, I can't see anything else around, but I know the light is here, I can come to this, and that would be a brilliant starting point. See the light. It shows light to everything in the room. <clears throat> a lamp is to draw people to the source. A lamp is there to show people how to get there. Torch just can pinpoint and expose things. And Jesus knows that. He's saying you can't hide your light. Our lives, whatever our lives look like, are on display to others. I love in Matthew um, chapter 7, there's a story in there of a, of a Syrophoenician woman. That means someone who's not Jewish, who comes to Jesus. But in the story, what it says is Jesus went to a certain house in this story and he said he didn't want anyone to know. He wanted to be cut off. He wanted to um, spend some time probably on his own with his disciples. He went into this house. But in verse, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 24 of this, it says, yet he could not be hidden. Love that. Picture of Jesus. Because of who he is. Because of what he's done. Because of who he's eaten with. Who he's showed love to and compassion to. Because of who he's healed, couldn't be hidden. And this woman comes to him, who's not Jewish, not from his, not from his tribe, not from his nation, and comes and begs him to heal her daughter. He does. Because Jesus' love and compassion could not be hidden. So if we've received the gospel, if we know Jesus' love, it cannot be hidden from others. There's a quote in a book I've just been reading which talks about ministering in honour and shame cultures. Um, it says this, since people see the gospel as much as they hear the gospel, our relational interactions with non-believers are vital aspects of the evangelism process. Two of Jesus' relational bridges were eating with people and miraculous healings. Both acts that removed social stigma and embodied the divine honour Jesus was teaching about. This is the gospel in action. This was Jesus' love in action. The love of God in action was eating with people. Because he ate with sinners and tax collectors. The religious leaders didn't. In fact, they were horrified when Jesus did. They said, why is he eating with tax collectors? Why is he eating with sinners? 
Why is he letting a sinful woman wash his, his, his feet? Why is he doing all these things? He didn't like it. And he healed. So he ate with people. He interacted. He had social interactions which exposed hypocrisy and exposed and the honour that God was, was trying to bring into the world. And he healed people as well. He prayed for illnesses, people who'd been oppressed with sicknesses for a long time, people who'd been oppressed by demons. He released and set them free. He embodied the honour that people were due, that, that, that was not being given to them. <coughs> And if we want to see how, if, if we want people to see how God removes our guilt and shame, then we need to behave to others in the way that reflects what Jesus has done for us. Do we treat others in a way that gives them honour? Do we respect people for who they are? Or do we make judgments and therefore disassociate from, with people which might bring shame on us? We often do that, don't we? We can hide our light because we're thinking about our image. So our image is important to us, therefore we hide the light of the gospel. We don't go to people that are a bit odd. We don't go to people who are on the fringes and on the margin because of how it might reflect on us. But Jesus did. Jesus accepted us. We were outside of God's sphere. We hated God. We were rejecting God. We didn't even honour God. We had no honouring of God, and yet he accepted us. He came into the world. He came and ate with sinners and tax collectors so that they could know God loved them. That's what he did. That's how he came. That's how he demonstrated the gospel. He didn't just talk it. He acted it. This was the light that was on display. The light of God's love was on display in him. And if we love and follow Jesus, the light of God's display should be in us, acting in the same way. When I was a I was a, a younger, a young, a young lad, young lad growing up in Yorkshire. Um, there was a there was a new kid in our school, and um, he he was he was a bit odd, or we thought he was a bit odd. He was he spoke with a strange accent. Um, he didn't seem to have a dad, um, and he lived on strange cultures and did strange things. Um, and he, apparently he was from, from Germany. His mum was German. And um, this was a big thing in a small Yorkshire village. And I don't know how my mum got, got, got to know his mum. But I, I think his, his mum was saying, look, you know, he's finding it really difficult to connect at school. He's no friend. He's nothing. My mum forced me, marched me round to their house. Um, quite wise, my mum, at times. And, um, and she said, right going to come and play with, with this young boy. And I asked him, what's he doing? I don't want to. This guy's weird. Everyone, no one else talks to him at school. What's going to happen when I turn up at school with him? And um, So I was, reluctantly I did go. And, um, and as I said, his, this was my first cross-cultural experience. Okay? And it was wonderful. His mum made the best hot chocolate ever in the world. And every time he came home from school, he would have hot chocolate and these German cakes that his mum had made. If I was lucky, I'd get hot Ribena and maybe a biscuit. Brilliant. 
And Garrett went up to his bedroom, and it's like this huge model, you know, airfix models in those days, of a measurement. Lighter. It was hanging from his ceiling. And he said, I made that. I've got other things here that I'm making. And it like opened up a whole new world for me of model making, which I'd never, never seen or done before. And um, it just, this just, it just reminded me of this sort of, those that have will be given more. If I hadn't gone around, if my mum hadn't said, look, come on, come around. And we became good friends. Uh, we obviously drifted apart when, when we both moved away in different places. But at the time, we became good friends. And I received so much more, probably, than he did. Because I was exposed to this whole new, wonderful culture which I'd never experienced before. It was wonderful. I think this is what Luke talks about when it says those who, ha- those who have, those we, we've got, we may not think we've got a lot. We may not think, oh, I, I'm, I'm no good, I'm not a good person, I'm not um, good at talking to people. I haven't got practical skills that I can go and help people with. I haven't got um, the gift of the gab to be able to talk to people and tell people about Jesus. And so we can hide our light, can't we, behind those things. We can hide our light by shame, by thinking, what are going to people think about me if I do this or say this? What are people going to think if I offer to pray for someone? Say, I know, I, I know God, and, and God I know can heal, let me pray for you. can hide behind, oh, I'm too busy. We can hide behind, oh, I don't believe God will do this. We can hide behind all sorts of things that can, pre- can prevent our light from shining. Can't we? The light is here. And we can cover it. Just, that's not a very good cover, is it? It's, you can still see it. But you can still see it. That's the thing, isn't it? No matter how hard we try and maybe cover it, there's all sorts of things. The light is still there. The light is still under there drawing people to it. We need to be sharing the message and doing the work of the kingdom in order to draw others into the kingdom. We are to be a light so that others will come to the light. Not so that glorify us. Not so that we look good. That's what the religious leaders were like. That's the religious leaders that Jesus was warning about. They do it for their own glory. They do it for their own selfishness. They expose sin and bad bad behavior and, oh, look, that, wh- wh- why would you go with that person? Look at who they are. Look at what they've done. That's what they did. They used the law of God to expose sin and shame people. Jesus comes and he removes the shame on the cross. What we were celebrating with the communion. He removes the sin and guilt through his blood and his body that was shed for us, shed and broken for us. We can have a new life and we can bring that life to others. We had, I was at a conference a couple of years ago um, with people from different nations coming and um, it was a real privilege to be there to hear, hear different people and there was one, one um, guy from a nation that's very closed to the gospel um, on pain of death and he, he and his wife and children and I think one uncle were the only Christians in their village um, and it was a, and the village was the, the head man of the village was um, one of the very high um, religious leaders of that community and basically oversaw a lot of terrorist activity as well. And um, 
And so this family, they lived in this village and they lived surrounded by this the whole time. Um, now they weren't, quite rightly, they weren't overtly out on the streets preaching Jesus. But they were praying, they were worshipping in their home when they could. And it might not look like their light was shining. But one day, there was a knock on the door as they were worshipping and praying together. And they opened the door, and there's this woman there um, in the full burqa. All they can see is her eyes. And, and they think, oh my goodness, someone's reported us. We're going to be in real trouble now. And as they open the door, this woman just bursts into tears. She says, can I come in and see you? And they're like, woman here, dressed in black. What's she carrying underneath? Um, but they said, no, come in. Come in, you're obviously in distress. So they brought her into the house and, and she explained her story. She is the wife of this guy who runs the village, head of this organization, and locally in the, in, the, in the village, in the area. And she has had an illness for a long time. She's spent... He, her and her husband have spent a lot of money on health, seeing people, seeing shamans and all sorts of people that would try and get rid of this, this illness. To the point that actually she'd suffered physical abuse to try and get rid of the illness. Emotional and physical abuse. And um, she just said, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm scared of going home again. I'm scared of, um, what do I do? And these people very bravely said, we'll, we'll explain to you about Jesus and then we're going to pray to you for your healing. And so they did. They prayed for her and she went on her way. And then about, I think it was about a month later, there's another knock on the door when they're at home together. Um, they've been quite fearful because obviously you know, this is quite a bold step to do for the wife of the, this religious leader. And open the door and it's her husband on the door they're going oh, this is really awkward um and he says can i come in and um he comes in and they're really nervous at this point he just says i want to know about your jesus my wife has been completely healed the religious leaders we took her to the ones who tried to beat her torture her to get this thing out of her. They couldn't do anything. But she came to see you, and now she's healed. And that's just, just an incredible story of just allowing your light to shine. So Jesus did. He, he ate with people. He prayed for people and healed people. That was his interaction with the world to demonstrate the goodness of God the love of God. And he actually went to the cross to demonstrate the love of God. He sacrificed himself in order that we could go free. And if this is the God we know, if this is the gospel we know, if this is the gospel we've received, we want this to be a light to others. We want other people to come and know it. I know it's difficult. I know that we can sometimes hide this light. I know we can, in fear, try and hide it. In the fear of shame, in the fear of um, all sorts of things. We can put all sorts of arguments not to do things, not to pray for things. But if we are to be a light for others, 
we need to be letting our light shine. Let's do that. We must be purposefully, the message, the message can't be separated from the messenger. Do our words and actions show that we've received the good news? A lamp is held up. Are we holding up Jesus and his good news as something for people to be drawn to? We must purposefully be making our relational interactions honouring. How can we honour people in our interactions? Who, who are we eating with? Who are we having coffee with? Who are we, <coughs> excuse me, um, who are we talking to at school in our colleges? All big questions. And they're challenges. They're, they are difficult. Because it can result in us being shamed. Jesus was shamed on the cross. Jesus was tortured and beaten for you and me. That we could have honour before God. So we could glorify God. So, shouldn't we want to let this light shine amongst others? Mix with people. Talk with people. Pray for people. I'm just going to ask Izzy to come up. If you're, are you able to? Are you okay to... Um, as we were praying this morning, Izzy had something that she felt was that God spoke to her about. And I think it fits nicely in with. Um, we'll put this light behind her. She draws attention to God. Um, I was reading in Exodus this morning a bit, the bit where you know, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you probably know it: Moses and the burning bush, and um, God saying. I've heard my people, and I'm choosing you. I want you to go back to Egypt in a, in a burning bush. So you would have thought that he'd be like, yeah, all right, I'll go. But no, he's like, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And God just says, okay, well, if that happens here. And he just equips him, equips him, equips him. And Moses keeps coming back with reasons of, but I'm not. And then he says, I'm, I'm slow of speech. And, and he and. God keeps saying, I've made the mouth. I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to teach you what to say. And Moses, like, we've gone through all of this, verses and verses of it. And Moses goes, choose someone else. And, and I just wonder whether that is us with our light burning, that God has, God has called each one of us. We can't discount ourselves. This is for everyone here to be, uh, to be a light. And I wonder whether we say, but this, but that, but I'm this, but I'm that. And we're sort of arguing with God. But the truth is, is that if God has called you, he will equip you. So for me today, I'm worried because my husband goes back to work on Monday and I've got three wonderful, difficult children that I have to teach at home. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? But God has called me to be a light in my home. He's called me to be a teacher to my kids and he has also given me all of the difficulties in my life. He's sovereign over it all. And I have to just trust and know that he has called me to these things. Therefore, every minute of the day, he is going to equip me. And I just wanted to pray for us that as, you know, whatever your Monday is facing, whatever reason you're, dis you're discounting yourself, God, I just pray now, Lord, that you would be loud in our face and saying, I I'm going with you. I've called you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. And Lord God, I just pray that we would step into that. And as an, each need arises, Lord, as we come into maybe a difficult situation, we don't know what to say, Lord, that you would just give us the words and that we would trust that 
And Lord, that we would accept to be your hands and your feet into this place. And God, I just pray that your love, your gospel, the truth of your goodness and what you have done, it will just spread through wherever you've put us this week, Lord God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Izzy. <laughs> so I'm going, to, I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to spend just some time reflecting on this wonderful Jesus. But i just just finish with this. Is for those who maybe have been shamed by this pinpoint of light exposing sin in their life, and they can see no way forward, they need the light of the gospel in us to draw them to Jesus, to see that there is forgiveness, to see that there is a way forward, to see that there is a way out of sin and shame that Jesus has provided for them, to be restored to a place of honor. And we need to help them see that. So we may need to make amends for things we've said or done that have not brought glory to God, don't we? We're probably all thinking, oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd said that. Or I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. But Jesus is quick to forgive us. And therefore, we can be quick to forgive others and to make amends. We have been given and received the good news of the gospel. That's what he was talking about. We've been equipped with this good news. We've been equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We need to be prayerfully seeking how to guard this good news. How to be those that demonstrate the light. How to be aware in our working days, in our, in our home life, in our schools and colleges, where we're trying to cover up the light. And where we can actually uncover it and demonstrate this good news to others. We are to be a light so that others may come to the light. Let's prayerfully be thinking about that this week. Think of those circumstances and situations God may be putting you in this week. Be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. To pray, to talk, to do something for someone. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to worship this wonderful Saviour.